0: This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Steelers and Lions, end in a draw. Mm-hmm. End in a tie. End in the old no one gets a win, but no one gets a loss. Gotta sister. love it. Kissing your sister. Nah, I All think, the cliches. I
1: think someone pointed out, I think it was Crowley saying, kissing your sister is definitely
0: worse. That's what Dave Damashek, who who doesn't love him if you're from Pittsburgh, one of our, our – Even
1: if you're not from Pittsburgh. One of the
0: great children of the Allegheny that has gone on to bigger and better things out in L.A., NFL Network, all the stuff he's done in his career. But he says, I hate when people say a tie is like kissing your sister. Kissing your sister is ostensibly way worse than a tying a football game. I mean, kissing your sister is just downright disgusting. I mean, how could you live with yourself after doing something like that? Whereas if you tie, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can live with yourself. It's just might be a very depressing couple of days after that. Let's, let's dive into some individual performances. Sure. Uh, but first, let's talk about the defense and one of their worst days when it comes to stopping the run. In fact... This is the most yards they've given up to a non-Lamar Jackson team in about like ask, five or six years it's of football. Been,
1: it's been Lamar who's had the Steelers' number against the run, but I couldn't tell you anyone else who's had that good of a day not named Lamar Jackson.
0: Certainly not DeAndre Swift. And DeAndre Swift had 3.9 yards per carry, but they ran the damn guy 33 times in the football game, 130 total yards for him. And then, of course, Iguobuque had the long 42-yard touchdown run. Jefferson had the long 28-yard touchdown run. So 56 yards for Iguobuque, 41 for Jefferson. Buck 30 for their starter, DeAndre Swift. 229 on the ground, 39 total yards, 5.9 per carry. That's real bad if you're the Steelers. Obviously, 220 yards is bad if you're the Steelers, too. Lions ran the ball 39 times compared to Goff only passing the ball 25. Gosh, the Lions stole the Steelers' playbook and started running it down their own throats. They took what we do, and they gave us a taste of our own medicine, and it worked real well for them. Better than it has for us all year long, that's for damn sure.
1: As I said in the previous episode, Tom... The Steelers tried playing checkers, or the Steelers tried playing chess when all that they do is play chess. Checkers. Sorry. They played checkers when all they do is play chess, and the Lions took advantage of that. The li- You screwed it up again there. Did I really? Yeah. You it's all right. What? I'm just going to sh- Just you, stop. You know, you know what I'm just saying. Just stop. The Steelers overthought it, and the, and the Lions kept it simple. Kiss. Keep it yeah, simple, keep stupid, it and simple, they didn't do it. Best advice you could give anyone, and Dan Campbell not only took that advice, but rammed it down the Steelers' throats in the form of 200-plus rushing yards on the day.
0: Can't even say that the big gains on the the ground and the the prolific rushing attack was from a, a lack of scheming or guys being in the wrong hole or you know Detroit just absolutely picking apart where the holes are going to be on the defensive side of the ball. No, it was all due to missed tackles. It was all due to sloppy tackling. Mm. The Iguabuque touchdown run too.
1: the the juke step or the or the little hop that he gave to Minka Fitzpatrick that
0: was very embarrassing I mean and then
1: before that too before we even got to Minka Fitzpatrick the 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 tackle effort by Devin Bush I don't know if you saw that from behind
0: Devin Bush had a really bad game against the Lions he he cannot get off blocks if the defensive line isn't absolutely perfect clearing the way for him and honestly Schobert can be thrown into this category as well they just aren't good enough at getting off blocks on their own and being able to make a tackle. It's, it's very upsetting, the inside linebacker play. And, uh, of course, they're not alone in letting the Lions gash them on the ground in this game. There's so many people that have their own you know problems with that, too, that, that have their stake to the claim of, of the stink sandwich that was the run defense. But, my God, guys, I mean, it's Week 10 now this this tackling stuff that's that's what you see in the preseason that's what you see in week 1 when you've been gone months without contact or hitting people like you are in the heart of the NFL season now you've been tackling people every single week there should not be this many missed tackles at the NFL level uh, this deep into an NFL season especially with a defense that claims to be as good as the Steelers defense is got to wrap got to be able to get guys on the ground what have we said all offseason you know you're going to give up Four yards, three yards, five yards, here and there. What we hoped guys like Minka, Devin Bush, Joe Schobert could do is be the erasers. Make sure that the plays that are going for six or seven yards only go for six or seven yards. Right. Not it's not, so Igu- not Iguabuque where he gains seven yards, then he jump cuts and he's gone, and then he jukes Minka out of his jock 15 yards down the field, and it's a 42-yard touchdown. Minka's got to make that play. He's got to hold it to a 20-yard gain and-, and give the defense a chance to reset. Bush has got to make that play even earlier and hold it to a six or seven-yard gain. You don't make those plays, you get hit with the home run balls and that's the best way to defeat a defense that's as good as the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. You don't want to, you know, just 80 plays down the field all game long fighting for every yard. You got to hit a couple home runs against them and that's exactly what the Lions did and they did it on the ground too, which is especially upsetting. This is the this home is, runs on the ground hurt a lot more than home runs through the air.
1: Because it takes so much longer, so much for longer. that play to develop. You have so much more time as a defense to really get to the ball carrier and say, "I can get this guy down." Home and
0: runs through the air, protection's got to be good, obviously, but it's really just one guy beating exactly. one or two other guys. That's uh, it. On the it's ground, not, he ran through eight guys. It's one like, versus
1: eleven, essentially. Yeah, you, you have time. You have the. You have the ability to stop that play from developing. The only
0: guys Iguobuque wasn't dealing with were the cornerback on the other side of the field and maybe the Alex Highsmith side linebacker. Other than that, he's got everybody that that he's got to try to get through, and he does.
1: Right, He he absolutely was. And remember, this is a team that was 0-8 entering the season. This is a team where I believe it was DeAndre Swift's only second career 100-yard rushing game. Uh, And he's good. He's a good player. Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. He's good. But in a two-year career to only rush the ball for more than 100 yards.
0: He must be playing for the Lions or something.
1: Only twice up until that point. Yeah, something must have been going wrong for him. And let's not forget, they brought in Jamal Williams from Green Bay, who's a really good backup running back. Not in this game. Not in this game. Hurt. Iguabuque arguably had a better day than Jamal Williams could have ever had against the Steelers' defense. I mean, just anything that could have gone wrong for the Steelers on the rushing defense – Perspective of things went wrong. Whether it was in the form of DeAndre Swift or equal bouquet, it did not matter. Jamal Uh, Jefferson, Jamar Jefferson had that long touchdown run in the first first half. I mean, yeah, that guy got injured on that play because Minka kind of took him down from the backside. But if he stays healthy for the entire game, I mean, that's three running backs you have to deal with now, not just the two of them.
0: Big two on defense, TJ Watt and Cam Hayward, I think, had a great game.
1: Yeah, Cam had two sacks. TJ had the one. Cam was
0: ridiculous. And uh, it's been like that all year long with Cam. But, again, he's an island out there. He can't do it all on his own. He's especially an island when TJ goes down. Which he did after getting another sack. His 12-and-a-half yeah, sack of the season, and I'd then he gets i that it.
1: sack and a heartbeat if it meant keeping me healthy for the rest of the game, if not for the rest of the season. It
0: looked like a potentially devastating injury. He was grabbing his calf, it looked like. I thought, oh, boy.
1: I wonder what the the decibel levels were in Heinz field oh you could hear a pin drop you could they were just at 0.0 there is no doubt in my mind everyone is holding their breath when they saw T.J. Walker
0: we'll continue to hold our breath this week T.J. is going to get some further evaluation done today I'm assuming and we'll see what the extent of that hip injury is for him Uh, I don't think it's season ending Uh, I think you would kind of feel or hear some vibes out there saying there's a chance we're worried about it being season-ending if that were the case. I think another
1: good sign, too, was the fact that he was questionable to to return to
0: the game, and he was in his pads the whole time. Like, he never went to the locker room and took his pads off and was shut down completely. So, yeah, you're right. There's a lot there that's telling you maybe he misses next week against the Chargers, but maybe that's the only game he has to miss, which would be... Huge for the Steelers. When he went down, I was worried that's the season because he's just—he's the straw that stirs this drink. Like He's won a couple games for the Steelers on his own already, especially the Seattle game. The he's Seattle won that game, game. Is,
1: is his highlight. And really. you
0: wonder what he does here in this game. You know, Detroit's not the best at stopping the pass rush either, especially in overtime. They were starting to get a lot of pressure on Jared Goff. You have to wonder if T.J. Watt maybe forces a strip sack that gets them right into field goal range already, wins them another football game. But alas, he was out, couldn't come back in, and— he needed other guys to step up. I think Highsmith did an okay job stepping up. He got some pressures on that quarterback. Just It's not enough from Highsmith, though. Uh, he had a couple quarterback hits. I, I just You need him to start sacking the quarterback. You needed him to really get home uh, against Goff, especially in that overtime period and once Watt left in the second half. And, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say he did a terrible job because he was making his presence felt. You just I just think you all wanted a little bit more from him and you want a little bit more from Bush. You want a little bit more mm-hmm. from Schobert. You want a little bit more from Minka. I mean, Minka has the big interception finally, and it's called back because it, it was holding on the Steelers on that play. So, you know, all the other guys other than TJ and Cam that were trying to, you know, goat into step up, step up, step up. Can't seem they they make plays here or there, but they can't seem to string together that. Okay, you're establishing you're establishing yourself as the third guy. Like we got one and two down pat. We need that number three guy, and it was Minka all the past couple of seasons. But he's been making a lot of questionable plays. I don't plays. know what's
1: going on with Minka Fitzpatrick.
0: The run where he just got he looked like an old man out there falling over. He looked like when Gronk broke down when he was on the Patriots and the Dolphins ran that. And he was trying play.
1: to cover that hail or the And he just—it looked like parts play, were flying
0: yeah. off of him, and he just fell over and died. It kind of looked like that to Minka. Like it wasn't just like a juke out of your shoes. He just like kind of like put his hand on the ground and slowly fell down. Like it was a bad look for him. And yeah, he's his play has been below the line That's on kind the of standard the, he's set the perfect for his encapsulation career.
1: Capsulation of his season. Yeah, I agree. He's just not doing. Not just meeting your expectations, not missing your expectations, but playing at a level that's so far below it where you're considering, uh, I mean, I knew what I was getting into when I was paying T.J. Watt all that money in in the preseason this year when we got that contract done. Minka Fitzpatrick is playing at such a low level. You might think that Kevin Colbert is considering, do I really have to pay this guy? T.J. Watt levels of money? No, that's it?
0: the thing. I don't think – I think Mink is playing himself out of some money right now. Absolutely. And it could be a good thing for the Steelers because I think you could get him on a cheaper deal. But also, if he's going to keep demanding more and more money, it just might be time to walk away from him if and this say, is the level. Like you can't pay him as the most paid the, safety the in the NFL. Is,
1: the problem is you don't know if this is reminiscent or follow suit when – you, there's always a guy right in the secondary that claims to be the best. Like for a couple years, it was Josh Norman, and, and a couple of years before that, it was whoever. But these secondary, these guys, these defensive backs have such a sh- short shelf life. Ty, the
0: Jalen Ramseys are rare. Right. That the just Jaylen have Ramseys staying power. Tyron for... Matthew
1: hasn't had nearly as good of a season as he's had in the past. Uh, but yeah, Jalen Ramsey is an extremely rare, rare, rare case. So I wonder if this is. Similar to that, where he is just—he had his time at the top, and he's been exposed, and now he's going to be a middle-of-the-pack kind of guy. Or is it a Chris Boswell scenario?
0: One year, one just year one fluke year, and then
1: you come back in 2022, Minka, and you have 10 interceptions. You're in the running for Defensive Player of the Year, right alongside teammates Cam Hayward and, and T.J. Watt. I don't know what's going to happen, but I, f- I feel like it's going to take that time up until next season to really know what you're going to get long-term out of Minka.
0: And all the Minka defenders or all the people who can't help but see everything through black and gold sunglasses will tell you, well, what Minka does off ball and what he does in the back end of that defense is so invaluable that when you say Minka's playing bad, you don't know football. You don't know what you're talking about. You're right. Minka does a lot of stuff away from the ball, and his coverage does influence where the quarterbacks go. But guess what else Mink is supposed to do? He's supposed to be one of your biggest playmakers on the defense. In fact, outside of TJ Watt, who's supposed to force the most turnovers, it's number 39 mm-hmm. and he hasn't done one all year no, long. No, not
1: even not even like trying to or helping to force one, but or or being on the receiving end of a of a fumble recovery or a or an interception. He hasn't put his teammates in the position to make a play on the ball.
0: And here's the other thing. People will say, well, you were spoiled with all the pick sixes and all the interceptions he had to start his career in Pittsburgh. True. His volume of interceptions and having a pick six every season, is it's, it's not sustainable. But a player who's been back-to-back first-team All-Pros and is trending towards becoming the highest-paid safety in the league should have a turnover by Week 10. I mean, that's fair criticism as well.
1: Almost had it
0: he did have it he, he did have it was it. defensive it was just, holding though it was defensive. he holding grabbed hawkinson and d, held him back
1: on d bush it was
0: and because guess what hawkinson was eating his lunch all day long they're just lucky golf sucks the quarterback and couldn't find him couldn't get it he also got his lunch eaten in the overtime to set up that field goal i mean he was on a wide receiver that's a tough matchup but still like you have to position like i think arthur Moats has either said this or, or Vince Williams has said this or Arthur Motz said this about Vince Williams. Either way, when you're not faster than the guy you're covering, that's when the that's when the smarts come into play. That's when you have to give him a little extra cushion. That's when you have to, you know, be perfect in your positioning, mm-hmm. and I don't think I think Bush trusts his athleticism too much that he gets beat by guys faster than him because he doesn't give him the cushion that's appropriate. Because in his mind, which I get this when you're that great of an he athlete, catch I'm at fast. I can do whatever right. I want. I can cover. I can go step for step with the receiver, and that's just a fool's uh, errand to, to, to overtake. Because first of all, defense is reactionary everywhere. The offensive player knows where he's going. You just have to guess and and hope you're right. And number two, you're you're not a defensive back. You don't have those quick, you know, one-cut jumps that can stick with wide receivers. You got to play it smarter than that. But yeah, that was holding on Bush, and it erased Minka Fitzpatrick's first big turnover of the season. And you hate to see that because you hope that floodgates open once he gets one. Going to have to continue to keep waiting for that one. Before we get too far into the weeds with the defense, though, I. Got to switch over to the offensive side of the ball. And we got to talk about Najee Harris because that guy is such a star in the making in the NFL. 105 yards on the ground for Najee in this game. Uh, Another time over the century mark this year for him. But what was encouraging about this time he averaged four yards on the ground. So he was getting positive yardage every time he touched the football.
1: That's a first down drive every time. Every you, time. you give it to him three, three straight times. Straight times middle, that's a first down.
0: And then some. So it's it's baffling to me that 26 carries, yeah, that's a lot. He could have had 35 carries in this game. He could have had 36 carries in this football game. Could have won you the game. No question about it. Don't understand why not only is he – you know, running the ball effectively it's to the tune of four yards per carry. But he's, you know, doing that. And in the past, he's only rushed for what? 3.2 yards per carry, 3.3 yards per carry. And they still run the ball more than they pass the ball. Well, now he's having it's more success. On less attempts. And you pull the plug on him. And you go, you know what? We're going to throw a lot with Mason today. And you know who he's going to throw to the most? Ray Ray McLeod. Like, guys. I don't want to be guy who sits in the microphone Monday morning and yells at Matt Canada and yells at the play calls because, A, there's a backup quarterback in there, and, B, the players also did not execute their fair share of things. Mm-hmm. But you're making it very hard for me to not question the play calls when I see 50 pass attempts. And Najee Harris, your undoubted best offensive player, only touches the ball 26 times through total. the ground game and four times in the air, 30, 30 times, times guys, total. Yeah.
1: But I mean, Absolutely. It, it, it was so painful to be reminded of the 2019 season when it was either Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph throwing the ball, and with no James Conner or no Juju Smith Schuster healthy, it was guys like Jalen Samuels and Kareth White, if you remember that name, getting the ball. And it was this is what we're left with. This is so even this worse. Is the best thing that you can do. But your Mason Rudolph has a far better offense. Had a far better offense today yeah. or yesterday than he did two, two, two years ago. He has a fully established Deontay Johnson. He has a really good rookie tight end and Pat with. He has not just a, a good running back, but would a shame James Conner, maybe not James Conner of this year, but of 2019, James Conner, Jalen Samuels, all those guys, Benny Snell, who was on the team at the time also, which has put those guys to shame lining up next to them. And has. I mean, there's no reason that there's no reason that Ray McLeod or, or Benny Snell should be getting significant ball ball touches because Najee Harris is out there. So there was no excuse not to go to Najee Harris, not for Mason Rudolph to have success because he had far better pieces available to him yesterday than he did two years ago.
0: It's very clear that Ray Ray McLeod, at least in their eyes, is better than James Washington, right? I mean, they he had 12 targets to James Washington, 6 targets in this game. He saw more snaps than James Washington did. The end of rounds to Ray Ray McLeod, though, that experiment's got to be over. I don't know if it's Ray Ray's fault even. Zach Gentry, especially on the first one was blown 10 yards into the backfield on that jet sweep that the first one that they ran Mm. that's terrible you can't get blown 10 yards into the backfield on that that's exactly how the defense blows a play up like that is by Mm. pushing your outside blocker way back into the backfield now i think if ray Ray was Deontay, he cuts right up in the middle of the field and he gets at least five or six yards out of it where ray ray just continues to try to string things to the outside and i think that's the wrong decision but you're handing the ball off to a player who's more likely to make the wrong decision on that play than a Deontay Johnson. So you're really, you know, making your own bet there when you're giving the ball sure. to Ray Ray McLeod so You're much. shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, you're, they've you're done designed, that so many times. You're
1: assigned to give the ball to someone Lesser. who doesn't deserve the ball.
0: Yeah, it's they've done that. They did that twice in this game with yeah, Ray Ray. Do you remember
1: last year when Ray Ray was getting more uh, offensive snaps, or was it Ray Ray or Jalen Samuels was getting more offensive snaps than Chase Claypool?
0: It's it's baffling to me. It, it really is their infatuation with Ray Ray. And by the way, it's their
1: infatuation with guys who deserve no infatuation whatsoever.
0: And by the way, almost muffed the punt. In overtime, he double clutched that thing. Yes, but, but people have pointed out that it was the
1: right move to make. No, no, no.
0: I'm not talking about that play. I'm talking about it was a clean punt, and he caught it, and it. Oh,
1: and he then, double
0: clutched it. Right. It Almost came right, right out. Right. That would have been the ball game because that's an easy field goal, and the, the mm-hmm. game's over. Lions win it in overtime. No, the play you're talking about, I'll give him credit. That was the smart play. That was people a were play. losing their minds saying he's an idiot and he needs to be cut and bring back Switzer and blah blah blah. A lot of fans were showing their butt. On Twitter when that happened because they just don't know the rules they don't know if a defender touches the ball you have a free shot at it if you muff it dead ball doesn't matter. doesn't matter it's your ball anyway and a lot of people were quick to jump on McLeod saying why would you even try to touch that the Lions are gonna get the ball at the one now no that's the smart play because you got to take a risk there you're not even taking a risk but you got to take a chance there that you can grab it get five or six more yards of breathing room. And that's fine. Because he's thinking at that point that the Lions player was in bounds and he tipped it back to the one. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to grab it. That's what it looks like. And people will say, well, why didn't he grab it then? Well, the Detroit defender also tipped it out of his hand once he touched it. So good heads-up play from Ray Ray. It worked out for the Steelers as it was ruled a touchback. Lions player was clearly in the end zone when he touched the ball. But that's a heads-up play. And for a guy that made his fair share of mistakes in this game and in games in the past – I don't think we need to pile on with a, a fake narrative of him being bad at the punt return there. I mean, there's plenty of bad things to point at Ray Ray McLeod. We don't have to misunderstand the rules and make up another reason why we should trash the guy.
1: No, but he does deserve criticism for his double clutch that you pointed out. Later that was in the game. so
0: nerve wracking. I mean, especially just coming off of his questionable punt return just the week before, it's. It's hold your breath moments with Ray Ray McLeod now. Anytime yeah. he's stepping back to, to return those punts, that's for sure. And finally, one last guy you got to touch on again is Mason Rudolph's performance. Um, maybe you're asking him to do too much, and that's why he really struggled in this game. And 50 passes attempts, even against a team like the Lions, is just that's a ton for a backup quarterback to have to undertake. Um, obviously, I think it is a factor that he did not find out what was happening. Until Saturday night, sure. I heard Charlie Batch saying on the post-game show, you know, your game plan is pretty much set by Saturday night. Stan was saying, well, Tomlin said we were had a game plan ready to go. It was too late to change it, really, when we got the news. And Stan was questioning, is that really true? And Charlie was like, yeah, it is. Like on, By Saturday night, everything is pretty much in place, ready to go. He said, what, the,
1: else do you, what else are you doing? Well, he
0: said the only thing you're doing on Saturday night, if you're Ben usually, is you're talking to Canada and your offensive repetition. staff, and you're talking about the first drive. You're talking about... The scripted drive, I like this play. I'm really comfortable running this play. This play worked great in practice all week. Let's hit this on a third down if we if we face it on this first drive. You're just, you know, you're walking through that first drive, those first couple drives in the, in the script. So that's probably the only thing they could do with Mason is, hey, what are you comfortable? We got the script here. Which plays are you comfortable with? Mason circles this one. Okay, I like that one a lot. That should be a hitter. I've hit this in practice almost every time, so we should definitely use that one on this drive. But other than that, Game plan's the game plan, man. And You just got
1: to put that piece in the puzzle, even if it doesn't fit perfectly.
0: When you know maybe on Tuesday of that week, then, yeah, you can completely overhaul your offensive scheme and game plan and and engineer a completely new one for Mason Rudolph. Not the case on Saturday. We're lucky that he got Wednesday and Thursday reps with the starters because of Ben nursing an injury before Mm -hmm. he went on the COVID list. But just a tough scenario to get that call on Saturday night. you're starting in less than 24 hours. At 8 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. you're starting against the Detroit Lions in less than 24 hours in a game that we really need to win, Mason. So uh, good luck. I'll see you at the field in 10 hours.
1: can't afford to lose it, and you honestly can't afford to tie it. And... That's what the Steelers did. That's
0: exactly where they found themselves sitting. Um, Mason, as far as his targets in this game, he liked throwing the ball to Deontay and Ray Ray. 13 targets for Johnson, 12 for Ray Ray McLeod. McLeod had the most catches with nine. Frymouth had nine targets, five catches, 31 yards. This is where I always love when people get way too excited about young players because this is what the hang-up that always happens. Is it a big deal that Fryermuth had a bad game? No. He's a rookie. Rookies go through growing pains. This isn't like, you know, LeBron James stepping in for the Cavs and he's going to have 28 points a game and lead you to the playoffs as a young 18 year old kid. Like, that does not happen, especially in the NFL. Pat Fryermuth coming off of two phenomenal performances against the Browns and against the Bears has a stinker here against the Lions. That's going to happen for a rookie. Just keep an eye on how he responds. Now that's the big thing. Can this rookie shake off the cobwebs? Can he wash away a bad performance and come out and contribute like he did against the Bears and the Lions next week, or the Bears and the Browns? Excuse me. Or do we get another Lions-like performance from Firemuth? I want to bet on the the former, not the latter. But you can only find out by seeing it happen. Because again. Rookies go through these growing pains in the NFL. And what's a little unfair is the fan base being like, he's the guy. He's Heath Miller. Oh, this is the best. I love the fact that he's the next Heath Miller. He's Heath Miller. Heath, like he's the guy. They haven't had a tight end like this since Heath Miller. Unfair expectations being levied against him. And it lets you as a fan base crush him even harder when he has a little bit of a bad game like he did against Detroit. And it's going to happen for a young player in the NFL. It's the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Even the Lions have good players on that side, a few of them, but they're there. It's tough to win in this league. It's tough to be that impactful week in and week out. So don't don't bury Firemuth yet.
1: No, no, I don't think anyone should. But not to mention too, with those back to back weeks that he's had phenomenal performances against the Bears and the and what was it, the Seahawks before that, or the Browns before that. Uh, you're you're taking two games out of his, what, eight games that he's ever played in the NFL.
0: It is a small sample Super size. Super small sample size. You
1: can't just say because two out of eight times he's he's lined up for, for an NFL game that he's had a great day that that should be the expectation every week. It is very possible, Tom, that Pat Frymuth, even though we've said on this show we're big fans of the guy and we have expectations set for him, it's very possible that those two games— could be the two best games of his career. Huh. Now, I hope that's not the and case. Let's hope that's not the case. And I don't think it's the case. I don't think it is c- the case either, but you, you have to keep things real. When when the guy has only played eight games, you can't just say, oh, because he played this well twice, that's the expectation week in and week out.
0: Travis Kelsey has quiet games. I mean, it happens. He's in a pretty quiet season all year long. For his standards, for sure. I saw him drop a pass yesterday. Like, it happens. It, it happens. Sometimes – Other teams do a good job of taking you out of the game. Sometimes you take yourself out of the game just by having a bad one. Mm. And that's what Friar did yesterday. I don't think the Lions took him out of the game. I just think he had a bad performance. And, again, it's all about how you respond as a rookie. So that's what you got to keep an eye on moving forward. And really with this whole team, just keep an eye on how they go through this week, how they bounce back with a big – Big, big matchup coming on Sunday Night Football. Huge. AFC wildcard implications, uh, staying alive 30, in the AFC North now implications. Two
1: AFC wildcard teams facing yes, off against is. each other because the Kansas City Chiefs have that lead.
0: Going to want that tiebreaker in your back pocket against all of these type of teams. So got to get it started against the Chargers on Sunday night next week. We'll have plenty of time to talk about the Chargers, though, as this week progresses. That'll do it for this episode of Steeler Standard. For Jacob Recht, I'm Tom Offerman. Always appreciate you guys giving us a listen, and we look forward to talking to you next time.